The Commentary Booth is a show for media lovers by media lovers just like you. If you want to support the show, go to pariomagazine.com.au. Welcome to the Commentary Booth, where we watch and you guessed it, commentate on the week that was in movies and TV. I'm your host and play-by-play commentator, Jamie Apps, and each week I'll be joined by a rotating cast of colour commentators to help you find your next viewing treat. This week I'm joined by a freelance social commentator who lists their favourite movie as American Psycho and favourite TV show as Peaky Blinders. Welcome back to the show, Blake Robinson. Hello. Does your jumper say good coffee? Wollongong Institution. Goodies Coffee. What the heck is Goodies Coffee? It's a coffee shop in Wollongong. Those who know. Sounds very random. <laughs> Free promo. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good. You and Jackson, play hell, Jackson trying to flog off young Henry's last week. Yeah, what was the go with that? I wonder if Cotton United have to say about that. He just got given young Henry's and decided that he was going to promo the crap out of them. You promo on Coca-Cola for free. I'm always promoting some sort of soft <laughs> Some sort of sugary substance. How's things been otherwise? Keeping busy, been playing lots of golf lately. Oh, before it started raining? In, in that couple of weeks of sunlight? Oh, yeah, we had one week of perfect weather last week, you know, it's just gone to shit again. But, mm. you know, you just have to deal with these things and that means we can get stuck inside and watch heaps of things. <laughs> Oh, I've watched so much in the last week where I wasn't allowed to leave the house. So, honestly, I can't even. There's still there's so much coming out now. I've been watching movie trailers all week, and there's so many good shows out at the moment. Oh yeah, the the offer. The first few episodes of the offer just came out. It's the um, series about the Godfather films. Oh yeah, yeah. I thought that'd be right up your alley. That just come out. Um, I want to get into Billy the Kid on Stan Gaslit. Oh yeah, that looks good. This goes on as far as shows go. Yeah. Um, and Netflix is just banging out true crime documentaries like there's no tomorrow. Yep. I can't keep up, man. Um, they have the John Wayne Gracie tapes, the Marilyn Monroe one, the new Tony Collette show, the stair is it the staircase? The staircase. Yeah. That'd be watching sick. that. I don't know. I need to just take a week off and <laughs> lock myself in. The one good thing about Catching COVID and just wanting to lay in bed all day. All I did was watch movies and TV shows for the last week. Guilt-free. Guilt-free binging. I didn't get to watch as much as I want because I'd watch about an hour and be like, I need to sleep. I feel like absolute death. <laughs> but apart yeah. from that, anytime I was awake, I was watching some random thing, which was nice. Live to tell the tale, though. Yes. Thank God. It was, it was touch and go there for a couple of days. It didn't yeah. feel good at all. No, sure. no. That's not what we want. But I'm good now. No, we're well, good to see you. Up and running. It's what we want. Took about a week, but I'm good now, so. You look fine. Thank you, vaccinations. Looks like you've even gotten younger. Oh, jeez. Don't, don't, don't say that. <laughs> COVID was good to you, man. Perfect timing. All good to go. Ready for my US trip. Yes. It's creeping up. Keen for that. Yeah, two or it'll be a week when this episode comes out. Pumped. Actually, I think this episode comes out the week I'm gone. Yes, this week this one comes out. I'll be in the air. How good. Which is exciting. Exciting times. Get out of here. 
I was watching AEW today and realized, oh, there's only one more week of this before I'm actually at this, which was very surreal to watch. Creeps out. Every time, every time I go away, it just creeps out. I'll be like, oh, yeah, nah, that's six months away. I'll be sweet. Next minute, like, oh, my God, I'm going to probably pack my bag tags and work the next two days. <laughs> yeah, I think it was like when I caught COVID, I was like, oh, crap, this is not that far away. I need to, I need to get healthy quick. Yeah, I got, I got lucky here. Yeah, except the test positive to go over there, eh? Negative. <laughs> negative. <laughs> Positively negative. <laughs> <laughs> but um, because I have recovered from COVID within 90 days, I don't have to do the one-day test. Oh, true. That's mad. Which is, it actually kind of worked out good because now I get all the bonus immunity and don't have to worry about the testing requirements. I've seen a little, um, I've seen a thing, these two girls got refused to board their plane to Bali this week because their um, PCR test expired by two hours. <laughs> Rough. Yeah, so yeah, yeah you got to work a lot of clockwork. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a doozy. I think that's why America made theirs. It's officially one day. It's not 24 hours. Yeah, you need that. Yeah, exactly. So like I could get tested at 8 a.m. on the Monday to, for a 10 p.m. Tuesday flight and it still counts. That's how it should be. A lot better than needing it yet, exactly 24 hours. A little bit of luck, they'll um, scrap masks and planes and airports for you by the time you go. There was talk of that today. Well, America has, it's not required on domestic flights in the States. Yeah. It's just the the international leg. I'll have to wear a mask. Honestly, though, planes are like the dirtiest recycled air anyway. Pre-COVID, <laughs> surprisingly, well, yeah. why weren't we wear a mask to begin with on planes? It's the planes are disgust. Well, I'm pretty sure that is where I'm pretty sure the plane is where I caught COVID, going to Melbourne. <laughs> yeah, for sure. All that recycled air. Just... I did spend about seven hours in Melbourne Airport, so that was fun. Yeah, we were actually saying this talk about this the other day. Sorry to bore everyone with COVID, but how the when they only put everyone in quarantine hotels and everyone was just catching it because the, the COVID was going into like the air conditioning and just traveling between rooms. <laughs> what a doozy that was. How did they think of that? And just going through like the seals of the doors. Like, they're, like, and the experts like, this isn't like a sealed quarantine facility. It's just the hotel. Like, it's never going to work. These aren't hospital isolation rooms where each room has its own individual air con. Like, what are you doing? People getting like fire festival spec little cheese sandwiches. Oh, what a time. What a time to be alive. Thankfully, all of that that rubbish is gone now. Now it's just enjoy my trip time. I, I wish the Australian dollar was a bit stronger, but oh, not much you can do there. No. Nah. 67 cents or something is on it? the dollar. Yeah, it's rough. I was thinking 73 is it's normally standard. Yeah, that's crap, actually. It's real bad. <laughs> yeah, lose, you save up all this money and then you, all of a sudden just half it's gone. <laughs> it's, it's like, oh, man. When I got my travel card, it was at 71 cents and I was like, I still got like five or six weeks. I'll wait. And now I'm like, should have done that back then. Like, even if you like your Google exchange rate, and what that tells you, just drop like two or three cents off that. Cause whoever you're going through, like your bank or your, like your service, they they got their own little rate as well. I know PayPal. I think PayPal has a shocking rate. <sighs> yeah. Like you buy something online and PayPal do their own exchange rate. They shaft you. Yeah. I think at the moment, if you Google it, it's about 69, 70 cents, but going through the bank, it's 66 cents. It's like, oh, great, thanks. Then you get to the airport, get to it at the airport last minute, 59 cents. 
Yeah, I'm not doing that. No, no way. <laughs> the worst. <laughs> That's where they make the money. On to the, the main topic mm. of things we've been checking out. You recommended the new Netflix thriller movie Windfall starring Jason Siegel, Lily Collins, and Jesse Plemons. What a good find. And that's pretty much all it stars, <laughs> except maybe one like one Mexican cleaner. There's one other person, the gardener, Omar Leva, is the only other person in the movie. Yeah, I was I was trying to think last night. Is these is that just those four? Yeah, um, I'll like you mentioned thriller. Is that your own genre slapping on it, or is it actually that's, a thriller? That's what it's described as a thriller. It was a very interesting because it was um definitely got the lols out of me, so to speak, like. Well, it definitely had, yeah, funny elements, but I think the main part of it is like, let's build the tension and especially in between characters, like all three of these people kind of have secrets that they're withholding from the other one. Definitely. Um, so basically Jason Siegel character who is, no one, I also realised no one in this has a name, no one in this movie. True. So Jason Siegel's character is known as Nobody. Nobody, or he's the burglar, the burglar, so to speak. Lily Collins is simply the wife. Yeah. Uh, Jesse Plemons is the CEO slash husband. And Omar Lever is just the gardener. Yeah, I thought that was a very cool little um, touch. It makes sense, though, because, like, in this situation, you're not going to go around asking each other's names. Yeah. <laughs> Like they try to get each other's backstory a little bit, but yeah, you're not going to go sit down and be like, oh, what, wait, what's what's your name? I think at the, um, by the end of it, I'll probably jump in the gun here. Yeah, Lily Collins, the wife, she had um, she had the most sort of angst and the most secrets to withhold. Oh, yeah. She had secrets from everyone. So, yeah, basically Jason Segel, what breaks into this tech billionaires. Um, so he thinks it's a vacated holiday house in the California desert and snooping around trying to see what he can find then um the couple randomly appear at the house and he's like oh shit i wasn't ready for this i just wanted to steal some yeah right as he's about to leave to so um yeah he sort of becomes an unwilling kidnapper and he has no idea what he's doing <laughs> quickly goes pretty sideways like uh oh um, and that's when it gets very comical and he sort of has no idea what he's doing making it up as he goes but then the couple are weirdly sort of not resisting and they could easily have like outnumbered him to sort of attack him or outwit him. And they're just happy to open the bank accounts and cooperate. And uh, yeah, they sort of turn into this little trio, so to speak. I guess when at that point, once you become that rich, if someone does try to rob you like that, you probably are just going to be like, I'm going to cooperate and deal with it and pay whatever it costs rather than fight. Like it's your last penny. Like if I have billions of dollars, who cares? He jumped on that Skype call with his well, accountant or manager and said, hey, I need you to, no questions asked, transfer like $250,000. Like, they would have that set up for those situations, sure, at least tech millionaires, tech billionaires. Yeah, he just rings his assistant and goes, I need $500,000 in a bag as soon as possible. Dropped it. She's, like, she's like, oh, I can do it tomorrow. And he's like, are you fucking serious? Like, <laughs> who cares? Just hurry up. She sounds like the worst assistant too. Yeah. Well, that's another, another person you didn't get to see who's in it. So easy. Um, we need a quiet filming on a lot. <laughs> Not many um, dressing room caravans and so to speak. Yeah. Well, from what I read 
it was basically Jason Siegel pitched this movie on a Zoom call with the director, Charlie McDowell, two months into quarant- like COVID quarantine. Yeah, that's another thing I was going to touch on. At the start of 2020. So it was like, hey, let's try and make a movie with as few people in one location as possible. And I assume this is this is kind of what they came up with, which perfect movie for this time. Yeah, I noticed. Like it was, it was filmed in like during peak like Californian COVID times, and it's sort of yeah, a bit of an ode to what was going on in the real world, wasn't it? Like these three people sort of isolated and stuck in a house together. Yeah, like I imagine they probably had maybe twenty people on set. Like they would have had mm. a couple of camera guys, a couple of sound yeah. people, a makeup artist, and that's about it. So it's come out a bit late, but it was essentially like the perfect film that was filmed during isolation and quarantine times i did like that there were so many like subtle clues sort of and breadcrumbs laid out at the start like they really give you all these little subtle hints of okay this might pay off in the end and then they all do Mm. like the writing was really well done in that aspect yep where they they didn't didn't throw anything right in your face yeah but enough was left wide open to sort of keep you guessing and like hang on what's going on here um like because there was no clear they never gave you a clear motive of why he was breaking in that was probably another thing they left with the viewer i think to just decide like i i took it as he must have lost his job at a factory or something because of whatever the algorithm was that jesse plemons character created but they never fully outwardly say that as this is why he's doing this yeah, I think that's the direction they got sent most people in, most viewers in. And that's what I thought Strato too. And what he's the wife, Lily Collins, I think they mentioned she actually worked, she was the assist, like an assistant or worked for that company too. Yep. You know, I thought at one stage maybe Lily Collins and the Jason Siegel character maybe secretly knew each other, but mm-hmm. maybe they weren't leading on. Yeah, I don't know. It was um but at the same time, like when I said it was, there's a lot of, it was a lot left open, but there wasn't like missing dialogue or missing no. parts. There was enough left open to like keep you guessing, which was good. Yeah, and like they show, they show in her handbag the um the birth control pills at the very start, and then mm. they mention the tattoo on her foot, and they talk that up a little bit, and then at some point she's like, I loved that tattoo, and it's like mm. they're just slowly building those ideas that she resents the husband. Yeah, like she's almost being kidnapped herself into this relationship. <laughs> yeah, and then, they, and then they introduce him as like an adulterer and then that's like adds another layer of tension between the, the couple and it's just like when it all gets to the end and has that big payoff moment, it's like, okay, yeah. yes, all of this was leading to this moment rather than these were just thrown in there for the sake of throwing them in there. Yeah, like in the end, it worked out perfectly for the wife, like Lily, um, Lily Collins. <laughs> it was almost like it's just her master plan had come off. Yeah, it was like the perfect out of this marriage for her. It was a, yeah, it was a really good. I thought it was a really good, really good ending. I was very, definitely satisfied with that ending. It got really violent quickly, didn't it? I actually. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is pretty fun. This is like pretty, like they got like Jason Sagal, this big softy playing this like big bad kidnapper. Like he plays generally soft roles in movies and like. Yeah, he's just kind of like the fun dad most of the time. Yeah, but now that he's playing this hopeless, like unwilling kidnapper 
And um, yeah, then when the was the, the gardener, he trips over, does he, and kills himself? Like, yeah, goes so to the glass door. Jesse Plemons' character like just keeps pushing and pushing, like, "Oh, you won't shoot me, you won't shoot me." And then mm. Siegel shoots the gun off to the side, and that freaks the gardener out, gives the gardener an idea to, I, I just need to get out of here. Mm. And he goes to run away and trips and just throat onto the glass door. Himself. I was like, oh. Yeah, I was like, oh, I was like, oh this is uh, it's going in this direction, is it? I was like, because yeah. at that point it was going. It got gruesome quick. Yeah, I was like, this is like, well, like, not that it was boring me. I was going very slow and I was like, well, something's got to give here. Thought there's just three people been sitting around the house sort of talking. I'm like, something's got to give here. And boom, that happened. Yeah, I was thinking that like, this is just going to play out very boring. And then after that, it got pretty hectic. And I love how casual they were after that. Like, they're just all chilling in the lounge room and there's this dead body like pissing out with blood from his throat just on the ground but like, they didn't even acknowledge it or really freak out that much i did like that they kind of just they kind of just put him outside and, and they shut the curtains <laughs> they shut the curtains i think close the curtains like <laughs> that's outside we can't see it doesn't matter the outside's a problem yeah but then after that the end then like the ending sort of sequence got really gory as well i guess and violent and <laughs> aggressive yeah it just um it did it perfect it did justice yeah lily collins got like super violent too when she takes out siegel's character with that statue another thing that they they show like at the very start and i was like that was a weird shot why are they showing this random statue and then it pays off at the end like oh okay yeah it was just um it was almost like a bit of a fun sort of indie film festival vibe movie wasn't it but it's just i think it turned out a lot better than they maybe have hoped <laughs> or expected yeah when i first saw the poster and saw the cast i was like oh, this is this could be like really cheesy just because like jason siegel like you mentioned he's kind of generally in those fun loving dad comedy roles mm. jesse plemons has moments where he seems like evil but then most of the time he's in those similar roles as well so I was like, oh, this is going to end up being some some cheesy Netflix movie. He does play a bit of an unpopular bad guy, doesn't he, Clemens? Yeah. But then watching it, I was like, this is actually much better than I gave this any credit to, for being. Yeah, I have, um, I don't know what movie, watch it. I'm not sure why it's called Windfall. Do you? <laughs> I just, be, I guess because of the, if he got away with it, it would have been a good windfall of cash. Do we um, think there will be a sequel? <laughs> it would be very, I would love a sequel. I would love to know what's sort of the downfall, I guess, of what just happened. Yeah, I would like to see what plays out with Lily Collins's character, but I don't know whether we'll get a sequel. Yeah. Maybe we get something that's like similar, like a similar vein, but a totally different group of characters or something. But I suspect now that COVID is over, they're just going to go back to filming regular movies. Like <laughs> this, this feels like a movie that came purely out of time and necessity of we need to make a movie with as few people as possible. I feel it could come out a bit late though, for whatever reason. I wonder if it was, yeah, just because like they really wanted to get the editing down and make sure it was a really tight movie rather than mm. let's just film everything and chuck it out as a, a two hour movie. Like that's really tighten it up and make it a, a good 90-minute movie. Really fun cast, though. They, I think they nailed the casting. Oh, yeah. It was cool to see Jason Segel in that different role. Yeah, for sure. I love um, love that. Yeah, it was a um, very random group of people that just, that just worked perfectly. It was Big Brother house vibes, wasn't it? 
yeah, I, I was blown away by it. And I've, I've recommended it to about three or four people since I watched it. Like, I need to watch this movie. It was actually way better than I. Yeah, it's an e- easy watch. For sure. Yeah, I loved it. Uh, and then the other one, the other show we checked out was the TV miniseries, The Girl from Plainville, which is now streaming mm. on Stan. What was your impressions of this? I seen it like the trailers for it just pop up as advertisements, and um, I never really paid much attention to it. And I had I like girl, I had no idea what it was about until like uh, that happened years ago. Like I remember seeing on the news, like when the the girlfriend told her boyfriend to kill himself. Like we all knew, you heard about that on the news. Now there's a documentary for yes, well called "What well, I Love You Now Die." Yep. I didn't know about that and I watched the show first. You did it the other way around, yeah? Yeah, so I watched I Love You Now Die on Binge a couple of years ago when it like first came out. So this all happened in what, 2013 to 2017, it all unfolded? Uh, So the suicide happened in 2014 and she was convicted in 2017. So I pretty much knew next nothing about it other than what I heard on the news at the time. Yeah, I don't know. I have mixed thoughts about it, to be honest with you. Yeah, so it's basically it follows the suicide of Conrad Roy after thousands of messages between him and Michelle Carter and ultimately she tells him to get back in the car and finish his suicide attempt and eventually gets convicted of involuntary manslaughter. But for me, the show, The Girl from Plainville, was not good. Like, it wasn't. No, it tried. To, I think it tried too hard. It tried to catch that emotional angle with you, and it, it didn't really catch me. Yeah. felt super slow, and I think because I'd seen the documentary series as well, Yeah, I kind of knew how everything was going to play out, which obviously didn't help me in terms of keeping me invested. I found, that's what I found too. I didn't know what was going to happen or what was going to unfold. And I think that's what kept me interested in the show. If I knew everything, I would have turned it off. Yeah, I struggled to finish it. I only finished it because I knew we were going to talk about it. So I got through it. So I got through it because I wanted to know what was going to happen. But this it's just another one. They keep popping up. It's another one that could have gotten away with like a three-part miniseries or a feature length. Yeah. There's no way this needed to be eight to ten episodes. I think it's here. It's like seven episodes or something, isn't it? Pretty much dragged out the narrative of um, like Michelle just craving attention and it was like pretty much a documentary about Michelle, not the boy that killed himself. Yeah. Like I said, dragged out, um, pushing that narrative of Michelle's quest for attention. Yep. Which I guess was a big part of sort of the whole storyline, but... Yeah, we didn't need eight episodes of it. Like we could have got away with four. I think four would have been plenty. And it was confusing too. There was a lot of backtracking and it just jump scenes like, and they didn't, like, it was hard to tell that they were jumping back in time. Like the time was all over the place. It's very hard to follow. There's time jumps backwards and forwards. There's also moments where they're blending Michelle's imagination and memories. And it's like, I can't tell what is real, what is fake. So present present time Michelle, yeah, present time Michelle, and then that she's like by herself. Then her subconscious, like, oh, she's in her head of that. Then yeah, they bring in Conrad and like 
into the room with her and she's tall having conversation with him but he's not there but it just seems so real like he is there yep yeah like it was it was so hard to tell what's real where in the timeline it's 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 that really confused me and i hated that i hated every time they did that i'm like the only time i did like that was the scene at the end in the bar and it was almost real like what could have been and like she almost didn't remember it because it was like what 10 years later like we're sure grown up i thought that thought that was probably the best part of it the whole thing right then and it was like it was like a big what could have been moment so that sort of was feel good about it i guess if you can say that but i just there's another one of those ones too like how do these get approval from like the families like surely they have to do they just let them run with it or they what's the go (laughs) or is it because it's like gone to the courts it's been dealt with and that's just free reign i guess yeah just because it's been in the courts it's kind of public domain now so it's anybody's yeah yeah, like you would think they would probably want to contract contact Conrad's family and be like, you guys okay if we do this? Like it's not even five years ago that this kid killed himself. A little bit a little bit tasteless, wasn't it? What did you think of um Elle Fanning's performance as Michelle Carter? I was actually gonna to touch on that. They casted this to perfection. That was one thing I will say. This everyone looked ex- all the actors look exactly like who they were portraying. Yes. Especially Michelle Carter. Yes. I couldn't believe it. was un- uncanny how well I did that. Yeah, she was pretty good. Very good, I reckon. Very good acting. I thought her performance was, I thought it was a, like a little bit cringy at times, but I think that's kind of the point with Michelle's character because she was really cringy at times. I think her acting was cringy. She was playing a cringe. She was playing a cringy role. She was very cringy. Like the, the narrative that this all happened and they played out because she just wanted to bring attention to herself is absolutely psychotic. Mm-hmm. Like the whole baseball, the baseball fundraiser and stuff. Like she made the baseball tournament and she made a comment to one of her friends like, oh, I'm so popular now or like I'm so famous now or something like that. I'm like, whoa, like <laughs> that's like not, if you all like love it, just kill themselves. These are not things you are thinking of. No. Like these aren't the first thoughts in your head. Like, wow, I'm so famous now because of this. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Even Conrad's best friends are like, why are we having this fundraiser in your hometown? Like Conrad yeah. never went there. Why are we not having it in his hometown yeah. where all his friends are that are going to want to support him? It was a very, very weird situation. Big fan of Chloe Savini. She plays Conrad's mother, um, another one who was casted very well. But very different role for her. I haven't seen her in anything in recent years. What else is she in? Um, she plays the secretary to, um, in American Psycho. <laughs> okay. Yep. Fair enough. That for starters, she's just a, um, pop culture icon. After you went back after watching the series and watched the documentary, what did you think of the documentary series? Well, so I was going to get to that. I only got like an episode and a half in and I turned it off. I couldn't watch it. It's yeah, it's rough. It's real, real heavy. I think, no, I think just because it wasn't, it dragged on a lot. But, yeah, it was very good and very informative. But like we touched on earlier, you, you need to watch one of these and one of these only, not both of them. Mm-hmm. Yep. See, where you said you watched the documentary first and you struggled to get through the series, I watched the series first and struggled to get through the documentaries. <laughs> like, it's, yep. like, it's honest, it's not a, like a groundbreakingly exciting murder mystery, like investigation story, like, this guy killed himself, his chick 
was just like texting him saying, oh, yeah, you should do it. That's cool. Like, it's not really that exciting when you think about it. Yeah, it's just it's just a messed up thing that teenagers do, I guess. And it was such a big, un- the crime was so unknown. And I think it's just the trial is what captivated us all. And we're just watching this for the trial. We don't really care about either of their backstories, essentially, do we? And that's what they tried to invest us in. Yep. Like they just tried to milk Michelle Carter's life story and it wasn't really that exciting. She's just, I reckon, just your run-of-the-mill essentially. So, yeah, I would recommend watching the documentary that's only two episodes rather than eight yeah. episodes of the TV series. Well, she was, she was finished. It was only an episode and a half in. I was like, oh, this is going to drag off for six episodes. <laughs> I should have finished it. <laughs> It's two episodes, one's 58 minutes and one's hundred an hour 15. Yeah. So, yeah, I would recommend watching that over eight hours of a TV show. Yeah, right. Well, yeah. I turned it off because I, like, I was like, I'm not sitting through this. Like I said, the documentary, it got, from what I've seen, it got straight into it as well. It told you what needed to turn. Um, crime scene photos too, which is the thing everyone wants to see sickeningly <laughs> and um, mm. it's just yeah it just told showed you what you wanted had interviews from the parents the families so yeah but yeah Save it's a super like time. sad messed up story but yeah nothing like yeah very it's not like the staircase where it like gets really weird and wacky at times like this one is just sad yeah um and it's like i said it was just a big unknown because something like this has never really been convicted of before and then up coming, I think the state of Massachusetts made a law after this called Conrad's Law or Conrad's Rule. Yep. Can um, so convicts assisted assisted death or assisted suicide. Yeah, basically anyone that sort of encourages someone else to mm-hmm. commit suicide is now liable, really, which is mm. concerning. But I guess yeah, a good thing. You don't want people to be encouraging people to kill themselves yeah. like Michelle did. Especially in this this day of um, day and age of vulnerability online and trolls and whatnot. Oh yeah, especially yeah with trolling and stuff. Yeah, I think what I found though, um, um, yeah, like I was hitting it out of the park the first few episodes, and I really found it hard to once it once it in the middle it started to plateau and really started to drag out. I was like, Ugh. yeah, that that middle those middle few episodes really stretch it out of. You you're just sitting there like, can we just get to the trial? Mm. We don't we don't need all this time of Michelle's backstory and Conrad's backstory. Like, let's just get to the trial part. Like, that's the part we want. And then the trial is over in like an episode and a half. Yeah, exactly. Um, like I'm saying, out of all the the pacing was r- real weird. Out of all the true crime out there that they actually have real documentaries on, they've picked a bit of a boring one to make a series out of. I think drama series. Yeah. There's definitely better options out there. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah, it didn't hit the mark. Overall, what would be your top recommendation for the week? Yeah, windfall is sick, man. It's a perfect, especially the weather as it is at the moment, perfect Saturday night at home movie. Very, yep. very fun, easy watch. It's not going to scare you, going to entertain you, give you a bit of gore, give you a bit of the LOLs, which we all want. Yeah, it's it's a thriller, but it's not a scary thriller. No, it was definitely a fun watch. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same. I highly recommend Windfall. Mm-hmm. Like I said, blew away all of my expectations. So everyone needs to check it out. Like it, it doesn't seem to be getting as much hype as I was sort of expecting after watching it. 
Yes, yeah, this is this is, this will uh, spread the word. I think another one of our random sleeper picks that will get picked up in six months' time. Six months? Well, it was taboo. It took them years to catch on. It took them like two years. Yeah. Hope, hope we get uh, more of that soon too. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the commentary booth. If you enjoyed the show, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe on podcast services and on YouTube. You can follow Blake on Twitter at Captain Crumbs with a Z. And you can follow me on social media at Jamieups Media and at Pario Magazine. The Commentary Booth is a fan-funded production of Jamie Apps Media. You can support the podcast alongside our magazine, Pario Magazine, on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Media. The following people supported at the community support group level or higher, and you cannot fathom how incredibly appreciative we are for their support. Brian and June Hart, Blake Robinson, Rena Renee, Courtney Paulson, Darren Hatcliffe, Jackson Carr, and Tracy Apps. <laughs>